Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. And Dr. Kathy Greenberg and myself have been doing this now uh, since 2008. And we're always focusing on what top performers do, how do we get some tips, some tools for you to be a top performer. Or if you are a leader and you have a team, what do you need to do to share with with your team? You know, and Kathy and I have our uh, website, www.motionalbrilliance.com, that has um, many, many tools that you can partake to help you become a top performer. And today we have Sally Hegason, and we're going to bring her on in a moment. And she has written a book around Rising Together, and we'll go through her bio, and you can hear about uh, all the great work that she has done, and we want to help pick her uh, a brain, and especially around how women rise, co-authored with Marshall Goldsmith. And so before we uh, jump into that, Kathy, welcome to the, our show with Sally. Hi, Relly. Hi, Sally Helgeson. I am so excited to be here. You know, 2022 <laughs> has been a hell of a year for all of us. And I know that this year, Relly, we've been focused on wellness, kindness, inspiration, and a little bit of escape. And I think today's show is really going to be intriguing with Sally talking about her new book, Rising Together, how we can bridge divides and create a more inclusive workplace, which will come out in 2023, and maybe she can give us some secret insights. But, um, you know, we've been at this rally for way too long. Every time you say how many years we've been on the air, I feel older and older, so <laughs> knock it off. <laughs> and uh, I think just for the audience, you know, if you're new to us, um, you just may want to know that <laughs> we, we have so many shows, um, hundreds and hundreds, and wonderful thought leaders, uh, wonderful human beings who want to share a breath of mindfulness, fresh air, and emotional brilliance with us from, from scientists uh, globally, from authors like Sally. Um, of course, Relly, you are, by all definition, uh, one of the greatest leaders in emotional intelligence. Uh, you have wonderful giveaways that we are so blessed to provide to our audience on emotional intelligence. And for those of you who are listening, you know that if you go to our Voice America website, you will find a listing of all of Relly's Psychology Today blog posts, which are historic. And, of course, his book, Leading with Emotional Intelligence, is a bedstand uh, staple for leaders and team members who are on the, on the rise, on the men, trying to be more resilient, or who just want to be better at what they're doing as a parent or as a human being. So... I am so blessed to be here today and look forward to an exciting, really innovative show on how women need to learn the 12 behaviors that can keep them stuck. And I will raise my hand as one of those women who 30 years ago met Sally, fell in love with her. You know, we don't stay in touch with those we care about, but we think of them often, and I have followed Sally's career and I think before we jump into the show, Relly, I would love for you to talk a little bit about why we're so passionate about emotional brilliance and our new website, the Emotional Brilliance yeah. Academy, which is one of the most innovative AI-based e-learning LMS systems out there. Well, thanks, Kathy. I think part of this, and we'll have Sally kind of respond to this, you know, with her Rise Together, her new book, and also her uh, book, with Marshall is in our world today, there is so much going on. I would say, you know, one of these catchphrases that I've been talking about, everything is more, you know, so almost everything that's going on for us. We have more fear. We have more apprehension. We have more anxiety. We have more sadness. Some of the, you know, some of the research is showing that um, about 67% of people are experiencing increases in stress. 57% have increases in anxiety 
And if you talk about the kind of the work-life balance and what all this that goes on for the people that we're speaking to, leaders, parents, everybody's looking to you to deal with all this emotionality. Now, not all of you are counselors or have that background, but people are looking for you to kind of make it okay. Is it safe, psychological safety? If you as a leader can have some empathy for all that people are experiencing, you know, some of the research has shown that 86% of people reported that they're able to navigate the demands of their work when their leader is empathetic. You know, just juggling the personal family and obligation. What does that mean? You got to talk about it. And you have to focus on what's going on in their world. And those folks are less burnout and more productive than someone who immediately gets right to um, <clears throat> what needs to be done. So around this emotional brilliance, we're all looking at uh, what are the key moments in, in the heat of all this? What do you draw? What do you bring forward to be your best? And those are the tools that we're trying to help you with. And so, um, Kathy, you want to uh, introduce Sally, and we'll bring her, and we'll zero in on some of the ways that she helps people be emotionally brilliant and some questions for her. I would love that. So let me just start by saying Sally Helgeson's is, is she, Sally has been cited in so many places, but she has been cited in Forbes as the world's premier expert on women's leadership. She is an internationally uh, known best-selling author, uh, speaker, and leadership coach. She is also internationally listed as a best-selling author. She's been named by Thinkers 50 as one of the world's top 50 coaches and the number one coach for women, and is ranked number five among the world's thought leaders by global gurus. Sally's most recent book, How Women Rise, co-authored with Marshall Goldsmith, examines the behaviors most likely to get in the way of successful women, and I should know, because <laughs> I've had some. Uh, it became the top seller in its field within a week of publication, and writes have now been sold in probably over 19 languages. It has 12 behaviors that keep women stuck. Sally's next book, as I said earlier, Rising Together, How We Can Bridge Divide, Create More Inclusive Workplace, uh, will be published in 2023. And some of her books that I love include The Female Advantage, Women's Ways of Leadership, one of my faves, Female Vision, Women's Real Power at Work, the web of inclusion, so important, a new architecture for building great organizations. She is, um, she's credited with bringing the language of inclusion into businesses across industries. And for over 30 years, Sally has delivered on her promise through leadership workshops and keynotes for companies, partnership firms, and associates around the world, including your friend here, Kathy Greenberg. Welcome to the show, Sally. Oh, Kathy, it's wonderful to be with you, and it's a pleasure to uh, to meet Raleigh as well. Super. So, so Sally, we're so uh, happy to, that you're here. And what we like to talk to folks about, you know, is start to uh, get a little bit of history, kind of who's influenced you the most. I mean, then we'll talk about kind of where you are today and what you bring to others. But, you know, a little bit of your background, who's influenced you the most to bring you to who you are today? Well, I was thinking about that earlier, and uh, it's very clear to me who's influenced my work over the course of uh, more than 30 years in women's leadership and inclusive leadership. Uh, the big influences that got me going here were, number one, Frances Hesselbein, who oh, yeah. um, retired some years ago as head of the uh, Drucker Foundation, later the Hesselbein Institute. But when I met her, she was the uh, national executive director of the Girl Scouts. And that doesn't sound like somebody who would be cited in Fortune as one of the world's most effective leaders or uh, featured on the cover of Business Week uh, as one of the world's most effective leaders. But Francis was indeed that and many things more. So Francis was a great inspiration, as has been my friend and uh, colleague, co-author on How Women Rise, Marshall Goldsmith, whose work 
and coaching insights have influenced me. Uh, certainly Carol Gilligan, who wrote the groundbreaking A Different Voice about women's moral insights, which I sort of adapted in my book, The Female Advantage, to look at what women's leadership strengths are. And also Tom Peters, who's been a great friend and early supporter of my work and an inspiration in terms of how he's kept going on the excellence theme for 35 years, almost 40, really. I couldn't agree with you more. So many wonderful people that we come across in life that have so much influence on us. Thanks for sharing that. Certainly. Sally, when you think about uh, how you and I were raised, in corporate culture. I met you when I was a partner at Accenture, obviously a global firm managing thousands of people across three continents and shared all of your work with our upcoming and existing women leaders because it's really hard to believe that I'm not sure there's even more than two or three percent change from the two or three percent of women that are in leadership roles, not only in industry, but I've come to find out in the military and law enforcement. Can you just talk a little bit about how your work has been influencing changes in how women view themselves using the 12 habits? I certainly can, Kathy, but first I want to say that the figures, uh, the percentages of women in the very, very top uh, levels of corporate leadership, yes, have moved slowly. But at levels under that and in terms of starting their own businesses and influencing the communities they are a part of, I've just witnessed an ex- and, and also leading countries not the U.S. yet, but uh, women's uh, leadership has just been, to me, one of the great unsung stories of the last 35 years. Women have far more influence. What I've seen, I'd say my biggest takeaway from having watched women, and this is not just in the U.S., my work has been extremely global, and if anything, the pandemic has mirrored that because I don't have those, you know, long trips to uh, Kuala Lumpur and Shanghai. But um, my work's been very, very global. And what I've seen over the last 35 years, three big takeaways, what I've witnessed is that women have grown in terms of their confidence, and this is reflected in their ability to recognize and articulate what their strengths are. We're not there yet. But, boy, has that changed. Biggest, big, big change has been in the solidarity among women. You know, I've done women's leadership programs, and uh, back in the 90s, it was very difficult for companies to get their senior women to sign up for women's leadership events because they would say things like, I don't want to be seen as, um, as a woman. I want to be seen as a leader. And that has changed. Women see solidarity with other women as a real career maker. Um, And finally, on the ability and uh, passion for enlisting uh, men as allies. Those are the big three big changes I've Mm. witnessed, and I think they bode well for the future. Uh, And I think you've well well articulated the distinctions. I'll just reference this before we go to a quick break. When you want to find out more about people like our mentors, Frances Hesselbein, for example, who is also a Presidential Medal of Freedom winner, <laughs> yeah. or recipient, I should say. Just, you know, Sally and I have the, the great blessings of being included on uh, Drucker Foundation series books like uh, Leader in the Future and Community of the Future, and uh, we've been mentioned in some of Frances's books. I think it's really fascinating that after all these years, we're reconnecting here with Relly on such a subject. That is so inspirational. So don't go away. Come right back. You're listening to Leadership Development News. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
How can you be brilliant in the moment? Given the daily challenges you face at work and home, how can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at leadershipforuminc.com. Say It Skillfully is my new radio show about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. Call in and I'll help you find the right words to tackle any difficult conversation or ticklish situation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Join me live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with uh, <clears throat> Sally Hegerson and her, about her uh, new book coming out, Rising Together, and then about uh, how women rise. So tell us, um, Sally, what inspired you, you know, to write that book? And then maybe you can also talk a little bit about it. You know, in this one, I know you've done stuff on your own, but this one you've also partnered with Marshall Goldsmith. Uh, certainly. Uh, Raleigh, I um, you know, my initial book in this field, uh, the, the Female Advantage, Women's Ways of Leadership, emphasized women's strengths and what women had to contribute as leaders, which I felt was certainly in the 1980s when I got the idea for it being left out of the conversation. But as I, and so that has been really the focus of a lot of my work and then expanding that to inclusive leadership. But uh, but I'd say, you know, in the late aughts, I became aware increasingly of some of the internal barriers that were also holding women back uh, from reaching their full potential. And I've been very influenced by Marshall's wonderful book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. But mm. I did notice as I read it that uh, it which focuses on the habits that get in the way of the most successful people as they move into leadership. But I did notice as I read it that um, many of the habits that Marshall focuses on are not a big problem for women, like learn to apologize, uh, for example. 
But uh, also that some of the internal barriers that I saw were not being addressed in the book. So I suggested to Marshall, who'd been a friend and colleague for, for many decades, that we collaborate on a book that took his brilliant idea that the same habits that can serve you well early in your career can be the very ones that get in your way as you move into leadership positions or move higher in your career, but look at how that applied specifically to women and how women rise is the result of that collaboration. You know, it's so interesting to me, both of us having been friends uh, and colleagues uh, and collaborators with Marshall over, what, three decades probably for the both of us. We're giving away our age. I'm not saying anymore. Um, and, and to think about the aspects of leadership that are specific to men and women, I'd just like to share an example, Sally, and then get your perspective based on some of the things that you have in your book. Is that okay? Certainly. Glad to do that. So, so here's a great example. My current husband, I say current because we just got married in December, <laughs> Somebody else said, well, how many have you had? I said, we're not going to go there, but this is the one I married in December. And so we, we are an interesting couple because he was a leader in one of our nation's national mission teams, which includes SEAL Team 6. And so for 25 years, 30 years, what served him was being very invasive, very in-your-face very practical in terms of words used in a sentence. And that served him well for a very long time. But now he's, he retired in April. He's now a civilian. He's part of our team. Um, he helps us with coaching leaders in law enforcement and in Department of Defense. And I find myself struggling with the shortness, the brevity, the impulse control, the lack of empathy. Of course, empathy would get you killed in his situation in certain circumstances. For me, and Relly obviously deals with this on a regular basis, I have, you know, low impulse control. Sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's not. (laughs) So I have to apologize for interrupting people. And also, you know, some of the things that you list are, are you great with details? Well, it depends on what I'm focused on. Are you a team player? Yes, uh, I'm a team player, but sometimes I don't appear to be because I've had so much experience. I do something that other women who've been around a long time do, which is rely on their expertise. And even though I'm a star networker, we often don't have time to leverage those relationships, right? So how long has it been since you and I have actually had a conversation, just as an example? So just using those two examples, one male and one female, Tell us a little bit about how your habits, your 12 habits, would be a practical way for our listeners to leverage some of those habits in the examples I've shared. Well, I think, and, you know, it's interesting what you say about the military because I've done a lot of work in the military over the last 35 years. And what I notice is the definition of excellence in leadership has been changing there as well. It may not be as embedded in some of those frontline operational uh, teams such as your husband was leading, but it is, it's, it's very widespread. Emotional intelligence and empathy are words that are used in, um, certainly in the U.S. military and in others. So I think that there's been an influence of you know, the culture, women being part of that, changing. But in regard to the habits, I think what is really helpful is to be able to be aware of how what holds you back um, is influenced by the internal conversations you may be having with yourself. Let me give you an example. And these then manifest and and get in the way of, of how people are perceiving you. An example is... one of the two of the habits that are kind of foundational, reluctance to claim your achievements and expecting others to spontaneously notice and value your contributions. You can see how these two uh, go together. You're reluctant to talk about what you've contributed, so you take a passive strategy 
and hope or expect others to notice. But certainly in this environment where, as Raleigh said, everything is more and people are so busy, that often doesn't happen. So we end up feeling disappointed or frustrated or like we're not being um, heard or seen, that we're undervalued and underrecognized um, because we haven't figured out a language that we are comfortable with in articulate to articulate what we're contributing and what we have to contribute. So having an understanding of that kind of uh, barrier and then recognizing that your job is to try to create a way of speaking about what you've done that you're comfortable with is really a huge plus Mm -hmm. for any woman who has to deal with this barrier in her career. So there's lots of specificity around these habits, how they manifest, how I've seen women trip themselves up, um, because they have uh, their internal conversation has said, for example, here, oh, I don't want to be seen as too ambitious, or I don't want to be seen as aggressive, or you know, what if I talk about what I've done? Will that step on what the team has contributed? So those co- yeah. internal conversations then hold them back from being their best selves. You know, Sally, a lot of that what you're saying, and I, I know. Uh, you and, and Kathy and myself, you know, probably having so many coaching conversations and around the kind of that internal locus of control, external locus yeah. of control, you know, and yeah. I think some of the research is saying some, sometimes the women may externalize it. So, you know, what I would say, and maybe it would be interesting to hear what you say, and then also, you know, Kathy's an expert uh, on this also, you know, written what happy working mothers know and, and a lot of the things I think you have in in. Your behaviors, Kathy's got in some of her books. But I would uh, tell someone in a practical sense, and sometimes in the coaching we do this, you know, to say it out loud, is, yeah, I feel pretty good about this. You know, I worked hard at it, and, uh, I'm, you know, I'm really satisfied with, with the, where we're at. To kind of say it in a matter-of-fact way, you know, at least to kind of get it out there. But how would you, Sally, how would you coach people, especially women, you know, to get that out, you know, so that they have that practice of getting it out externally? Three things. First, frame it as information that someone else might need to know rather than, than holding back because you think it's bragging. It can be helpful to people to know what you're doing. Secondly, use the language of contribution rather than achievement. Many women are more um, mm. comfortable with this. For example, uh, our team met this, that, or the other benchmarks. The customers said this. It was a huge win for the company because of that. My contribution was. So you're not in your mind thinking an either or. And number three, and this goes directly to the heart of coaching, you know, practice <laughs> saying these kinds of things. Enlist others. In, and this is a way of leveraging support as well as building it. Enlist others. You know, I've had trouble um, articulating some of what I've contributed to the team. I'm thinking of talking about it in this way. How does this sound to you? Can I get your thoughts? How mm-hmm. might I do this more effectively? Asking people doesn't mean you have to take their advice always, of course, but just asking, hearing yourself say these things will get you more comfortable right. doing them. Agree. Totally agree. Why, why do you think women are more afflicted with perfectionism than men? And and how does that get in their way? And I'm going to use me because it's easy. I'm sure our listeners are thinking, um, yeah, Kathy, uh, like in my family, they, they say, don't poke the bear. Well, it's not because I'm a bear, even though I'm to God, really. I went from pre-COVID being the shield maiden to post-COVID being Cobra as my call sign. <laughs> I do a lot of work, as you know, as a behavioral scientist for special forces and special operations. That's my sweet spot now. So they've gone from me being the shield maiden to me being the cobra. And every once in a while, the guys will say, okay, Cap, back in your basket. (laughs) um, And it's around this perfectionism stuff, right? How how do we deal with that? Well, first of all, I think the the why. Uh, Let's address the why. We all grew up differently. We all had different experiences. Do families sometimes encourage perfectionism in girls? Do schools? Yes, absolutely. But one of the things that Marshall and I recognized reviewing the research is that organizations also encourage this. Women tend to be promoted and rewarded 
based upon the perception that they are precise and correct, whereas men tend to be rewarded and promoted based upon the perception that they have a big that they're big picture thinkers upon their connections and upon their visibility. These are extremely different criteria. So women get the message that being precise and correct is the way to move up, and it works for a time, but at a senior level, no mm. one is looking for people who are precise and correct. They're looking for big picture thinkers. They're looking for people who are comfortable in a front-facing role and therefore with visibility, and they're looking for people who have comfortable connections. So it is encouraged in organizations in that way. So two things you have to look at addressing perfection for yourself, but also in your culture. How do you mitigate against this culture of perfection and pleasing? Because whereas perfectionism has many advantages for women at an entry or mid-level, they're really penalized as they move up. They create more stress. They have difficulty delegating because how can you delegate if you Mm -hmm. expect everything has to be done perfectly? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Yeah, that's great, especially around the delegation. And the other piece that you brought in, I know uh, is part of your uh, behaviors, was around the over-pleasing. And you have the Mm -hmm. disease to please, uh, becoming so fearful of disappointing others that you – fail to hold them accountable or assert the boundaries and say no. So maybe say a little bit about that one because the disease to please, that kind of rolls off the tongue in a nice way. That's a big one. And I'll tell you, I call perfectionism and the disease to please the two habits that are toxic at the top because they serve you well early on, but they are, mm. they are really problematic in a leadership role. The disease to please is basically privileging the um, expectation or hope that everyone should find you a wonderful person in all situations at all time, privileging that over basically doing a great job in what your job is and holding others to account for reaching their fullest potential by doing a great job as well. And people who, who, or women who have that disease to please, uh, generally have a very hard time holding other people to account. They have a very tough mm-hmm. time asserting their own ba- boundaries. And guess what? Those who have both perfectionism and the disease to please, it tends to manifest at home also, and, and at work as, as well as it does at work. So it, you're doing double duty as a pleaser, and it really can, can, can create an impossible situation where you're, you're focused on trying to please too many people at too high a level. People are going to be disappointed, and that, you know, you need to look at, you know, ha- did I do something or treat this person in a certain way? But if they're disappointed because they had expectations that could not be met or because you trained them, to have expectations that were unrealistic, mm-hmm. as pleasers often do, uh, yeah. then you're going to run into difficulty. And, you know, I, we really underscore that in our in our book, uh, What Happy Women Know, with Dan Baker. I'm sure you remember uh, sure. that from a long time ago. But we talked about, you know, how positive psychology can change women's lives for the better. And one of the things that we talked about in there piggybacking off of what you just said, which obviously still needs to be said how many years later, that women's perfectionism will manifest itself in also in uh, types of assertiveness, uh, types of behaviors that create wanton wanting, buying things you don't need. Um, and so we, you know, have a ton of tips and, and tools in there specifically for women. But it, it's something we still need to work on, you know, decades later. We're going to go to a break. And I really don't want to go to a break, but it's that time. And I hope you'll come right back. We're going to have a continuing, stimulating, engaging conversation with Sally Helgeson and learn some more of her 12 habits. So come right back. You're listening 
to leadership development news. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Trends in global business are changing all the time. It used to only be worrying about your competitor across the street, but now that competitor may be across the world. On Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business, plus issues and solutions that business leaders face today. Each show is guaranteed to teach you something that you didn't know before about global business. Listen live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice America Business Channel. The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf, features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practice of Top Performers. We're talking with Sally Helgeson. If you want more information, Sally's uh, website that's got a lot of great stuff on there is www.sallyhelgeson.com. Sallyhelgeson.com. And one of the interesting things, uh, Sally, is, you know, Kathy and I are in organizations every day, is this was kind of newer research for me, is about how many uh, – Words women speak, and I'll let you talk about the, the data, versus how many words men speak. And I think one of the questions is about being clear and succinct in, in how we talk. And so maybe you can say a little bit about the difference between men and women, and then maybe how do you coach women to use those words the best? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a real – it's a communication issue that can exist. It's usually less of a problem at senior levels because women have recognized that being concise and clear and succinct will get – be more likely to get them heard by men in organizations. Uh, so I think that, that this is more of an issue that for women – earlier in their career or at a midpoint in their career. The essential issue is that women tend to bond with other women based upon using words, upon communication, upon conversation. And this is not always true for men. It's often true. It's sometimes true for men. There are certainly men and many of them in the field of psychology who do create relationships. Uh, through conversations, but men often create relationships through shared activities where words are not mm. especially valued. I remember once my husband went out with one of his best friends who was in the middle of a divorce, and they were playing golf, and I said, so what's happening with Alex's divorce? And he said, I don't know. And I said, what do you mean? You spent all day with him. He said, well, <laughs> we were talking about the game. So you get that kind of thing where there's... There, there are not yeah. many words used, and and this can cause issues at work because many cultures, many workplace cultures, not only value being concise and succinct, but view it as a leadership behavior because of the male-dominated um, nature of the traditional workplace. So it is to women's advantage to learn to be as concise as they can, also conveying the information that they need. One thing, you know, I hear when I coach women, they'll say, yeah, but it's really important to know all the details. You know, it's the habit in the book, 
overvaluing expertise. I'm really just trying to be complete and share the details. You can always say, you know, here's what I've seen, being very concise. If you're interested in understanding or knowing how I arrived at this conclusion, I'm glad to share that. Because then you're not testing the patience of somebody who really has a preference for you know, for pretty concise communications, you're letting them know that you're on the same page, but that in fact you're someone who has a lot of information that they could benefit from, but they can make the decision of when and how and where. So that's a very, very effective technique. It's not that women should learn to be less wordy in general. It's just that in specific professional situations, it helps you to show up being clear and concise. And this is something that um, that really uh, arrives through practice and through thinking through, through preparation, through what you want to say, what the most important points are, and then practicing sharing that. Very, very helpful to, to any woman who finds herself uh, being perceived of as offering too much, too many words, too much disclosure, too much background, uh, too many details. I like Let that. Let me just jump yeah, in here for a minute, Kathy. When, whenever, yeah, Relly and I speak to large audiences, one of the things that we tell them, and uh, it's something I start off many of my DOD talks with, we have over 35,000 decisions that we make in a day, mentally. It's based on the 35,000 thoughts about those decisions, technically speaking. But 25,000 of those decisions are focused on what we're going to eat. So it doesn't (laughs) leave a lot left, right? And I always make them laugh by saying, what do you think those other 10,000 are focused on? And, you know, people start to think. But the reality is men and women think so differently. I get a kick out of the fact that if you go to Amazon right now, and you look at what happy women know or what happy working mothers know or what happy companies know, which are books that I've written in the past, the book that comes up as the recommended book with that book is Can't Hurt Me by Navy SEAL David Goggins. Huh. And it cracks me up because it's Can't Hurt Me, Master Your Mind and Defy the Odds. Now, here's the story, you know, of a, a guy whose childhood was a nightmare, you know, poverty, prejudice, physical abuse you know, haunted him and then through self-discipline, mental toughness and hard work, he becomes this Navy SEAL and then goes on to write this book and become a best-selling author and speaker. And, you know, here I am doing the same thing. Now, it's funny that I've never put these two things together, but, you know, when you, when women are too much like men, it's also a disadvantage. And I only use that as an example because having worked with this community, this very SWAT, SRT, heavy DOD community for the past 15 years, it is apparent that one of the reasons why we get along so well is because I can interpret and respond to their behavior without feeling offended. But yet, I have a very few select group of senior female executives that I feel safe with. And I'm continuing to use myself as an example here. Apologies to my audience. Um, Because I think it's easier for you to respond as a coach, Sally. So anything that you can do in this to talk about the failure to enlist allies and use them correctly or building versus leveraging relationships, um, which are some of your 12 habits, would really be helpful. Certainly. But I, I do want to respond to what you just said, because I think it's always a balance between authenticity and professionalism. There's a huge emphasis today on acting as your authentic self. I think this is very, very positive. But in the situations we're in, we're also professionals. You know, an actor is a professional on stage. Maybe they've got a horrible toothache. They're not sharing in the interest of authenticity with the audience that they're uh, that they have a toothache. They're just going on with the show. So there's an element. They're always, I think, balancing this. Um, professionalism and authenticity, and it's really important to keep that in mind. 
and all of my work has been based on the idea of helping women realize their full potential as women. Uh, one of the you you've mentioned a couple times is building versus leveraging relationships, and and I think it's a fantastic habit uh, to to talk about in this forum. It basically means you you're constantly building relationships, often through conversation, through getting to know people. You're strengthening relationships. It's very emotionally gratifying to do that. But you also, in terms of thinking about your career development and where you aspire to go in order to fulfill your greatest, your full potential, um, women are often reluctant to leverage relationships. That is to um, request either tactical, that is job-related help, or strategic career-related help from people. And I've watched this for years before I was able to articulate it um, in terms of building rather than leveraging. And what, you know, I would, would, women would say things like, I want so-and-so to know that I really value them as friends. I don't want people to think I'm a user. So they would be reluctant to engage people in, in conversations about their own career development or aspirations, or to say things like, you know, I'm thinking that I might want to pursue this path. Do you have anybody that I could talk to who might be helpful, et cetera? Well, I, I, I'll see women, you know, who are relatively new to the workplace or at mid-career will say, you know, I, I don't make those kinds of requests. I've heard women at very senior levels say that as well. And I think that that kind of enlistment and thinking in terms of allies, I love that this word allies has become widespread, thinking in terms of allies, not just relationships or friends. And, again, a balance between the two is really, really helpful to women. It doesn't mean you're a user, and it doesn't mean that you're an all-about-me type of person because guess what? One day – you're going to be in a position to help those other people. And, Kathy, you said at the beginning we've, been, we've known each other, we've been friends for 30 years, but we haven't leveraged uh, one another. That's what right. we're doing right now with this broadcast. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and I'm loving every minute of it. Sorry, Raleigh, you can't get a word in edgewise here. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let me, <laughs> let me just come back to what I thought was an interesting point because I think it's accurate right now. What I thought was was so interesting, Sally, what you said, just because I, I I love the stats and, and all the research that women uh, can speak twenty thousand yeah. uh, words a day, where men speak seven thousand words a day. Yeah. And so I think that's really important. I mean, I think we see it kind of with the three of us now, uh, but it's <laughs> yeah, interesting. And exactly. just to go and, and just to and, and just to kind of go back to a tool, and this is for men and women you know, that are more extroverted, um, yeah. that typically I would say to someone, you need a stop sign. I'm like, what do you mean? You need to stop talking and say, do you want me to go on? Is there more information that you need? If you don't have a stop sign, and I think when people are speaking too much, you blow the stop sign, and either people aren't listening or they wanted to know something different that may have been a right turn, left turn. And so having that stop sign uh, is really important, you know, as a kind of a self-management tool. I love that stop sign. I, uh, my equivalent is a little note to myself at the beginning of every podcast or whatever that says, wait which stands for, why am I talking? Is this necessary? Do I not need to add this extra yes. point? Love the stop sign. Yeah. And then I need those in my email. Rally. <laughs> the first, yeah. Well, I think that, and then, Kathy, I was going to say, we heard this from Noel Tishy. Maybe he heard it from someone else. He got weight, but then he also said waste. Sally, I don't know if you heard waste. Why no. am yeah. I still talking? <laughs> I'm going to add that. Yeah. <laughs> Am I still and, and Sally, you know, as we come to the last few minutes, how can people find more about you, your speaking, your podcast, your blog? Just give us a great website. Sure. Well, my website, is, as Relly said, is Sally at Sally Helgeson, or Um I've also started a newsletter on Substack uh, called All Rise in preparation for for my next one, one of my together, 
so that's been that's really been an interesting um, thing to do, and I'm active on LinkedIn, and I am just starting to get active on Twitter, which I must admit has in the past intimidated me, but I'm finding that I absolutely love. So all of these things, you know, both my handle and, and my LinkedIn address are, are at Sally Helgeson. So I'm, I'm out there. I'm easy to find. My website has a contact button, and, um, and this is, is one of the things I love about the work I do is it enables me to stay in touch with people all around the world. Thank you. Well, Thank you about, so much. We're really excited about to kind of hear about your your new book uh, and uh, you know coming uh, out in 2023. And so I imagine you're in the process of writing or editing. Like how far along are you on that before we end here? Right. Yeah, together. I, I get the edit the uh, the final edit back next week, and so I'm busy preparing that. And wow. this looks at some of the the triggers that get in the way of women and men building highly effective um, relationships at work, and then specific practices based on coaching that help them deal with those. Uh, that's great. Well, Sally, thanks so much. And, and if people want to uh, connect with Sally, www.sallyhelgeson.com, and you can get her newsletter and then information on the new book coming out. Thanks so much, uh, Sally. And Kathy, you want to bring us on home? I I love to bring us home. I have 20,000 words I haven't used yet. So I just want to <laughs> no, thank you everybody for being here today. <laughs> Sally, I love you, girl. Shout out for all the greatness that you do in the world to bring us all together and your inclusion work. It's a breath of fresh air. Thank you, everybody listening here to tune up, to tune in on your leadership performance. And don't forget to go to www eblifebook.com, share the goodness, get your free 11 reasons why you need emotional intelligence and emotional brilliance, and we will talk to you next week. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.